0: Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose
1: McGowan. Right
0: here. Leisha Tyler. The Tron Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lewis. Hi, we're
1: Haim. And you're listening to the Talk House Podcast.
0: Ow! What's up? What is up? I'm Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. Today I'm joined from shy by... Josh Modell. I was like, what is shy buy? I don't understand
2: what that means. It's Josh Modell, executive editor. Uh. The new
0: superstore featuring all <laughs> Chicago products. Chance the Rapper four at Shy Buy. Um, yes. Hello, Elliot. How are you? Hey, man. <laughs> Great to hear your voice. We have a very cool show today. This is the next in the series of episodes we recorded backstage at the fantastic Desert Days Festival.
2: Yeah, Desert Days is this amazing festival that takes place about an hour from L.A. uh, out in the desert, as you may have guessed. A really cool lineup of kind of the psychedelic leaning bands. Like we had the talk with Steve from Shellac and Devo, but they've also did, as we'll hear on this podcast, Mercury Rev, My Bloody Valentine.
0: Tame Impala was there.
2: A different lineup than every other festival has. You know, you get a lot of these sort of festivals in different parts of the country where the headliners are all the same or, you know, even the second build. it's, It's
0: very similar, but... Desert Days is really its own thing. It really is. And so is this podcast. This is the coming together of two sort of disparate sounds. We have Grasshopper, he of Mercury Rev, and A Place to Bury Strangers drummer vocalist, Leah Braswell. So Grasshopper and Leah saw each other's bands play at Desert Days, were blown away,
2: and they were psyched to sit down and chat about making music. It's a great conversation with two people from different generations kind of getting to know each other.
0: Totally. Both fantastic, fantastic musicians.
2: Yeah, as people probably know, Grasshopper is one of the main driving forces in the band Mercury Rev, uh, who are from upstate New York and were part of this 90s kind of psychedelic pop thing. A lot of people, I think, know them as kind of the sister band to the Flaming Lips. As we hear in the podcast, Grasshopper actually introduced Dave Fridman, the producer to Flaming Lips, who went on and made some amazing records with them. And Jonathan from Mercury Rev was actually in Flaming Lips
0: for a long time. Yeah, in Mercury Rev... Grasshopper plays a ton of instruments, guitar, keyboard, clarinet, and even a synth instrument he invented himself called the TEDx Wave Accumulator. That sounds very simple, the TEDx Wave Accumulator. (laughs) Take five minutes, you got to figure it out.
2: Hey, you guys hear that in that song? I think that's a TEDx Wave Accumulator. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, he's also, in addition to being in Mercury Rev, he's released records as Harmony Rockets and Grasshopper and the Golden Crickets. And as he mentions in the podcast, a band called Five Dollar Priests. Mercury Rev's latest album resurrects a half-century-old Delta blues record from Mississippi-born singer-songwriter Bobby Gentry. It's called Bobby Gentry's The Delta Suite Revisited.
0: Yeah, it's an absolutely gorgeous record. Mercury Rev themselves sound fantastic, and they have some very cool guest vocalists. In fact, one for each track. So we've got everyone from Nora Jones to Letitia from Stereolab, Marissa Nadler, Lucinda Williams, and more. Check out this clip of Phoebe Bridger's singing lead on the track Jess Elizabeth.
2: Yeah, that's just a beautiful track from a beautiful
0: album. It really is. Now, our second guest on the show, Leah Braswell, is a drummer who can seriously fucking devastate a drum kit. Leah is the drummer and vocalist in the Brooklyn Shoegaze post-punk atmospheric trio A Place to Bury Strangers, but she's played with a bunch of other bands over the years. She was in the Mexican garage punk band Le Butcherettes, and also toured with Trust and Jerry Paper over the years. A Place to Bury Strangers' newest record is Pinned. That came out just last year. And listeners, I want to play for you a clip of one of my favorite tracks. Check out Never Coming Back. fucking hammering track there and you can hear leah on drums and co-lead vocals really powerful stuff
2: it's like drugs as they talk about in the podcast
0: it's like drugs well josh they talk about that and they talk about a lot of other stuff to me this was really a conversation about artistic communities about diy culture and about the restorative power of seeing music live of being in the room Yeah, it's
2: great to hear that they both are still completely psyched by going out and kind of being blown away by sound.
0: They really are. Something we hear about in this talk that I thought was really cool is how Oliver from A Place to Bury Strangers is one of the co-founders of Death by Audio, the amazing guitar pedal company that also used to be a seminal Brooklyn live workspace where a lot of bands played, including one of Grasshopper's.
2: Grasshopper also talks about legendary shows that he saw at CBGBs, including the Ramones, Galaxy 500. And Leah talks about how she learned to appreciate feedback, something that Grasshopper is definitely an expert in.
0: Josh, I feel like that could be a children's book, you know, how Leah learned to appreciate feedback. (laughs) We should see if she wants to co-write it with us.
2: (laughs)
3: Should we roll the tape? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. All right.
1: Uh, My name is Leah Raswell, I play in A Place to Bury Strangers.
3: This is Grasshopper from Mercury Rev. I play guitar and do other things in the band.
1: What other things do you do in the band?
3: I write songs, I backup sing, and I play clarinet and produce and stuff wow. like that.
1: So your main instrument is guitar? Yes, well,
3: yeah, in this band, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, I learned clarinet when I was a kid and then I started playing guitar.
1: Wow. Later. Wow. And you just kept on with the clarinet?
3: I still play it. And
1: everything else? That's awesome. Yeah. How about you? Did, uh, I, I have played drums since I was eight. Wow. Uh, I started because my family is very musical, so I inherited my drum kit from my brother and uh, just started banging on stuff and playing around.
3: Did you play, like, in school band or anything? Or? I
1: did. I did. Uh, in middle school, I, I played and had this really... Wacky uh, school uh, a music teacher. Her name was Miss Kang. Uh-huh. She reeked of cigarettes every single day, and uh, she was very loud. You know, if we if, if we tuned something wrong, like I would play timpani sometimes, she'd be like, that's the wrong no <laughs> And it would just. Freak us out so much. So it was where I got my discipline.
3: <laughs> Did you play like show tunes and stuff like that? Or like We uh, played
1: uh we played very standard jazz and uh-huh. orchestra songs. Like very, very standard.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. What it's about like, you? Did you play in yeah, school?
3: I played I played clarinet in the school band. You were uh, first I, seat? I was first seat. Hell yeah. <laughs> I made it up. I wow. made it up there. And I went to like Allstate. In New York State, we have Allstate. Oh, okay. So you get picked to play like with people from all over the state. Wow. And uh, you have to audition and all this stuff. But Dang. that happened a couple of years.
1: How many hours did you practice a day?
3: Uh, I had like OCD. So I would, I would just play it for fun like a couple hours a day.
1: Yeah, Well. Wow. How about you? That's how you get started. Uh, I, yeah, I tried to practice every day. I think there was part of me that was so angsty. You know, my parents, my mom actually really wanted me to play drums. She was just like, this is your, this is your thing. You bang on tins and cans all the time. You gotta, you gotta stick with this. And so I I was almost just hesitant to play it all the time because it was something that my parents were telling me to do. (laughs) So it was kind of like a chore. And it wasn't until, I guess, when I was in high school school or something that I started to play more with friends and with people that I really connected with musically and something just clicked and I felt like I I wanted to do it all the time with anybody and everybody that I possibly could. So it was more just like not so much the school or the parenting thing, but all the outside influences of, you know.
3: Yeah. You know, I started playing drums in a, like a drum and bugle kind of thing. Oh, cool. So I was playing. Did you sight read? No, I just... I would hear the beats, they would play the beats, and then yeah. I would play along and stuff to the, to the song. So I started doing that, and then, then I started playing drums in a punk band called the People's Front of Judea. Wow. So I played drums, and then I started playing bass for a while, and then I started playing guitar.
1: Dang, just everything, Yeah. all in one. Are you, you're from New York.
3: I'm from New York. Where cool. are
1: you from? I'm from uh, Van Nuys, California. Oh, it's in yeah. the Valley, yeah. SFV. Uh, but I, now I live in New York actually. I oh, moved cool. there three years ago. So
3: I, I grew that. up <clears throat> near Buffalo, New York, but now I live in Kingston, New York, which okay. is up by I've Woodstock. Been there. Yeah, yeah I been played there? at
1: that one. Bill oh,
3: Positive Festival.
1: Bill Positive, uh, no, not a festival, but uh, that uh, is is B- BSP. BSP, yeah, yeah. BSP of there. Kingston. Yes, yeah, yeah. Great, great venue. It is good. Really vibes, good. Yeah. yeah. There was this woman that opened up for us. Uh, I, was, I was on tour with this woman, Mira. Yeah,
3: yeah, BSP is really, you know, I've lived there for now uh, like 20 years, and it was like the Wild West when I moved there. Wow. And it was just like these old gangsters and stuff. And, um, and Now it
1: seems a little like Catalina Island. Have yeah. you ever been there? Yeah, <laughs> no, I
3: haven't been to Catalina Island.
1: <laughs> it's got like a lot of ice cream shops and like sort of- Yes restaurants and uh, hip spots to be for uh yeah 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 yeah. for for all the cool kids
3: (laughs) yeah but bsp is really by opening those guys have brought you know all these people to the area and all these bands and like and and now a lot of people from new york city have moved moved up there
1: wow have you ever lived in the city
3: i did from 1990 to 95 wow And CBs was still going. Yeah, yeah. I played with, um, well, Jonathan was in the Flaming Lips, but we were also playing in Mercury Rev, but he was in the Flaming Lips too. Yeah. Then I was playing also with Dean Wareham. When he left Galaxy 500, I was playing in Luna. Wow. For a while.
1: How'd you uh, link up with all those guys?
3: I met Jonathan in Buffalo, and we started Mercury Rev. And then he met the Flaming Lips. I was a childhood friend of Dave Fridman. So then I introduced Dave Fridman to the Flaming Lips and he started producing them and wow. stuff. And then, uh, yeah, just got crazy from there.
1: <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, you guys are slaying it. Sound it sounded it. brilliant. I mean, this sound stage, this stage itself is is yeah. hypnotic like it sounds different in all kinds of different spots but yeah when you bring it and make you feel something really deep i
3: kind of like you Do you like when it's trial by fire when there's no like you know we didn't get a sound check or anything you just go up there yeah you don't know what's gonna happen yeah, or if you're yeah. gonna get be able to hear each other with monitors or anything right you right just go for it and i mean it ended up like pretty cool we,
1: yeah you could
3: hear everything
1: yeah yeah we've
3: had nightmares we're like you know Oh. You can't hear anything and stuff. Yeah, I have those really
1: nightmares <laughs> very often. I mean, most of the time I can't hear anything because Oliver, my my guitar player, he uh, builds effects pedals called yes. uh, through Death by Audio. Yes, yeah. Death by Audio. Yeah, 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 those are great. And uh, and I mean, all of his stuff is pretty much just like homemade, just exactly what he wants and exactly how he wants to hear it. It's of course like all different and uh, unique to the day, to the venue, to whatever, but. Still sometimes there are nights where like he'll he'll put his he'll put his microphone to the to the amplifier and just blare everything so it's all coming out of my monitor because he his vocals and my vocals is pretty much all that I try to listen to. <laughs> and I'm like, Fuck. like I can't even hear my ride cymbal right now. And I'm that's crazy. I'm bashing it. It's bizarre. yeah, death by
3: audio, that's awesome that yeah. they do that. We always yeah. wanted to make pedals and stuff, but I give those guys credit for for doing that because it's like, it's so cool. I I played in a band with this guy Ron Ward and a Five Dollar Priest, and he had a bunch of those pedals, the Death by Audio and stuff wow. like that. But yeah, uh,
1: they're incredible. They yeah. they really are unique and and really fun to explore, you know, because you really do find your own sound with it, which I think is like the most unique thing about it. You know, it's kind of hard and other... I don't know too much about pedals. I'm not like the expert. It's kind of just a fascinating world to jump into and to know how it works, but not necessarily, you know, it's like playing poker for the first time kind of just guessing around and seeing what how it works and how you yeah, yeah, you know yeah. figure out how to make the big money or <laughs> whatever but he's so enthusiastic and uh motivated to to make like really really abstractly like bizarre sounds and things uh. is, is
3: that in brooklyn death my audio yes yeah it's yeah. based in
1: brooklyn yes based in yeah. brooklyn that's yeah. great. Oliver's from Fredericksburg, but uh, he lives in Ridgewood now and has like a, a, a the venue no longer exists for because it used to be a venue and a living space and also where they used to build pedals um, in Williamsburg, but it got shut down a couple okay, years yeah. ago. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah.
3: I think I played there with $5 Priest. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's cool. Uh, do you remember when or what band? It were? was
3: four years ago.
1: Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it closed in 2014. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 About that, yeah. Damn. That's cool. Because I I remember hearing it closed like, not too long after I played there. Yeah. That's too bad. Because that was a cool place.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those places. I grew up in LA and in the Valley and sort of found my own scene through like the smell and this place called Paris space and all these venues. I'm, I'm 26. And I, like, as soon as I jumped into, uh, I don't know, real life, I realized that a lot of what I'm driven towards is like those small scenes and small communities oh, and yeah. building from the ground up, so to speak. So, seeing death by audio from afar was, you know, just like this mesmerizing, you know, an, another haven for people to go to and another place for people to explore.
3: Manhattan used to have that so much and it's kind of gone, you know? Yeah. It's kind of sad. I mean, yeah, Brooklyn, yeah. it's still yeah. going on, but.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: All the Manhattan places, like, there was the spiral. I used to live on 3rd and B. From 90 to 95. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> the old knitting factory was right there, CBGBs, oh, okay. the Spiral. Yeah. Did you play CBGBs? Um, yeah. Yeah. Played there, but I would go there a lot to see shows, yeah. like everything.
1: you have any uh, memorable experiences there?
3: Seeing the One Ramones One on the top of your Wow. Uh, Galaxy 500, Dang. Codeine was like amazing. Wow. So the psychedelic furs playing there, do wow. a small show. I saw the Ramones super packed rooms
1: as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, Damn. yeah,
3: yeah, What else? Like John Spencer's Blues Explosion. Wow. And, what did
1: it smell like?
3: Um, it smelled bad in there. <laughs> <laughs> it smelled bad in CVs, but because like uh, Hilly, the owner, his dog would shit in there like a lot and stuff. Plus there's people, you know, on drugs and just right. like drinking a lot and right. puking and... Back then you could smoke in there, so there was the smoke smell and like mm. that smell of like backwash beer. Like <laughs> when you don't drink your whole beer and leave it on the table, that yeah. smell, And but kind of was beautiful. Yeah, what yeah. What
1: made it really special to you? Like what made you want to keep going even, even if it was, you know, this like raunchy mess up place? <laughs> I think just the history of knowing that like television and Blondie and the Ramones and
3: Suicide and everything started there. When I got there in 1990, it, it had like the second renaissance of stuff like John Spencer and mm-hmm. Sonic Youth, Live Skull, Cody, Galaxy 500. There were so many bands playing. It
1: yeah. just... Yeah. Yeah. I can I'm jealous. I wish I was (laughs) there at that time. It was really... (laughs) I can only watch YouTube videos now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah. That's what this is about, right? I I don't know. I find like even spaces like this or festivals like this where you're able to just, I don't know, like learn about a new band or have a new experience that makes you realize what you're here for and why you're here and, you know, what you... uh, I don't know what fascinates you about this life. It's it's bizarre. Because sometimes I get overwhelmed or insecure or weirded out by the fact that like this is my life, and I come back home and don't really know what I'm doing. But you know, somehow there's like this this ongoing unconditional appreciation and love and admiration for for people who are doing this, you know, for a reason.
3: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) For a reason
1: or no reason at all.
3: Affirmation of of hope for yeah. doing this. Yeah. Well, like Charlie Watts always said, all the time when I'm on tour, I wish I was home, and all the time I'm at home, I wish I was on yeah. tour.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Feel that very often. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so many places we've seen through the years around the world and yeah. you know, yeah. all the foods and yeah. different cultures and yeah. meeting people, the way different people live and different architecture and their mm. houses. and yeah. That's like the good yeah. stuff for me. Yeah, yeah. Even within the U.S., but then around other countries. and It's just amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's been nice to talk to people that I never would have met if I didn't yeah. tour, you know, or different perspectives of, of life that maybe I was never open to, that all exactly. of a sudden someone, you know, picks up on this. Even just like, you know, how politics are in yeah. different parts of the world where you're like, oh, that sounds so much more... <laughs> sustainable than what we right. have right now. <laughs> yeah. And that is a it's it's very reassuring, you know, like people can yeah. get cooped up in this bubble of either media or what they assume life is like or, you know, good versus bad and not necessarily the full spectrum of Yeah. what we can and what people all around the world are doing, you know.
3: Yeah. We just played in Spain and Italy and we had the same thing, you know, talking about politics and, you know, the Catalonians are kind of fighting with the Spanish government and stuff. And they're like, you know, now it's America's turn because we've had it a few times in our history, of yeah. you know. And the same in Italy, you know, they're like, we yeah. had Berlusconi. Now you guys have Trump, and you know, yeah. it's your turn.
1: Yeah. Well, but, we are there. We We're are there. there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, Trump is a solid <laughs> uh, fact. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's something that we. Recognize uh, that there's a big divide where we live, where everybody lives, you know?
3: But then you come to a festival like this. Yeah. And like you were saying, you meet other people and, yeah, seeing how people live and, and we're doing our own thing. Yeah. And like, yeah. we're kind of making our own thing outside of, yeah, of that babble. Yeah. And so, Is
1: that like to you, do you feel that that's a subjective? affirmation or do you feel that it's this is something that you're doing for for other people specifically or
3: uh, i think both i think it's like doing it for other people and then you're also doing it for yourself To yeah it's like a feedback loop you yeah know?
1: sure sure of course yeah I think that's that's what we need. I, I mean, that's what what I don't know. People don't realize about it. I think, or like a, what I what I feel is sort of the the idea of what it is is like you know you're you're trying to gain attention for something. It's a performance, you know. But yes. like it's very much reciprocating whatever yeah. you are receiving from these people who may or may not need to hear this in order to feel something. But you know, like you want to project. Exactly what they want and what you want to be able to share in return. If that makes sense, I don't know if that's a yeah. twisted.
3: They need to analysis. hear it. I think. Yeah. I mean, they don't know if they need to hear it, but then yeah. when they do hear it,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I needed like, to hear you today, to be oh, honest. Thanks. Yeah. You're the place to very yeah.
3: strangers. I've seen it, and it's like it's so loud and so intense. It's, it's like amazing. You it's know? a slap in the face. It, yeah, <laughs> gets right to the core of your
1: yeah
3: of your being, and I just. I love that, like, seeing Suicide or the, the Swans or My Bloody Valentine. Like, Jesus and Mary Chain. Those are other bands where it's, it's so, like, visceral. I saw Glenn Branca a couple times in, mm, mm. in New York. Oh, and wow. that was the same as, like, you just hear those overtones. And it just it overtakes... It's almost like a drug, you yeah, know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: With your your consciousness. And yeah, that, and it's yeah. It's great.
1: I wish that, that music was sort of considered in a very positive way a drug yes. that you didn't need to take other drugs or drink on top of it. Not that I say that I'm like perfect or anything right, yeah. <laughs> in that way, but it's like nice to think of it like that because you really do get taken by a performance or by the sound of something and Definitely. really like you know, it, it is this presence when we're when I play, I'm so much immersed in the show that it feels like I am, uh, you know, not necessarily performing, but engaging with this sound, you know, like becoming sort of connected with this other, with this beyond kind yes. of energy that's like, you know, maybe, maybe a little too metaphysical to <laughs> explain in my own <laughs> yeah. small way of, uh,
3: knowing anything, but <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's, Like, with the clarinet, you can play beautiful melodies and stuff, but you can't get that other connection with the electric guitar. It was just like, when I saw Lou Reed in high school, and the guitar player was Robert Quine, Mm. who had played with, like, Richard Hell and stuff, but he was playing live, and then he was just attacking the guitar, and it was was so emotional and so beautiful that after I saw that, I went out and got a guitar and started playing guitar. Uh, Yeah. So that just... Moved me so much. Absolutely. It was something that I wanted to yeah. do myself. Yeah. He was playing with Lou Reed's lyrics and with Lou Reed, but he was expressing himself to those lyrics and stuff in kind of a noisy, but also had, like, elements of bebop and stuff in, all on in his fingertips, and then mm-hmm. I wanted to mm-hmm. do that, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. That's that's a really awesome way of approach. I mean, I right now, that's my food for, for life is to see... The thing that I, like, aspire to be and will always forever to aspire to have within myself to be able to share or create, you know, not necessarily take someone else's idea or, you know, but use it as something to...
3: Like a springboard. To yeah, the, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, they are being so true, so authentic to themselves. Like, I want yes. to continue to... Build that within myself. When I yeah. was a, uh, when I was really little, this is, I, I'm in a different era. But when I was really young, my my parents used to take me to see Annie DeFranco a lot. Uh-huh. And she's she, from Buffalo. Yes, Riding exactly. Up. Yeah. yeah, that's that's she's the only. Person that I know from But <laughs> I don't know her personally, but I um I would see her play so young, you know, and and realize that that was like that was someone that was really you know not only a an empowering woman, but someone who yeah. just like really just ripped in this way that was yeah. so unapologetic, yeah, yeah. And so badass. And I saw her recently, and that affirmed it. I was like, oh, I forgot that that was something that influenced what I did. And of course, like my brother and my family too. My mom is a uh, one. Wonderful singer, and the way that she carelessly kind of just lives through music, it's so beautiful. It's almost just like a natural, normal thing for me to understand and to feel and connect with. Yeah. It's cool.
3: That's, that's great. Yeah. I'm glad you, you, you told that because yeah. when you see something like that, that you relate to, that's what makes you want to keep going on yeah. and like keep yeah. doing it. Absolutely. And yeah. Like you said, like I think everybody has doubts. Or insecurities, but then when you see shows like this festival or shows like Anita Franco or Lou Reed. you Yeah, <laughs> you know, one or
1: the other. <laughs> one
3: or the other. it's It really
1: gets down in
3: there to the heart of how you want to express yourself and yeah. see that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's I feel so grateful, so lucky to be able to do it, you know? Like, yeah. this, is a, this is a full-on privilege to be able to play a festival, let alone be able to, to have that connection is so, so gratifying. Like, I, I don't know how it is to not have that in your life, you know? Yeah. And I know a lot of people suffer a lot, and it's possibly because they don't have an outlet like that, exactly. you know? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: It's therapeutic. Mm-hmm
1: it's therapeutic yes for uh,
3: us yeah and for the people who come
1: absolutely see it's
3: because like we we go and see a lot of music probably yeah and see a lot of shows yeah and then we perform
1: yeah
3: try to give back and yeah. you know,
1: yeah it's yeah. like
3: a nice feedback
1: loop again yeah I guess. yeah that feedback loop feedback. is strong yeah yes. <laughs> we need more of it I actually didn't appreciate feedback as much as I do now until joining A Place oh, yeah. of Very well, Strangers he, yeah. because we yeah. are I mean we're all about feedback yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> even the worst sound it's just like embrace it like you know, you hear that tone and you can understand the language of it and then you know trying to catch feedbacks now we start whistling you know to try to get the, right. the tone and clear it out of everything it's, yeah. it's fascinating yeah. There's this infinite abyss of music <laughs> and of sound.
0: Yeah.
3: It's cool. And when those overtones start building upon each other, then mm. it creates like this choir of sound that's it's not there but then it is. It's hard to capture that sometimes on a record. Like you can get close but it's different when you're seeing it live. Totally. It's like completely different. Totally. With Glenn Bronker, Sonic Youth, like the records are so great but then when you're in the room like seeing that, it's just like a different experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I I can relate with that because I have a lot of trouble in recording processes. Like I'm still learning how to figure out what the right flow is, you know, or the right sound or the right thing. Whereas playing live, you don't think about that so much. It's just you're so in the moment, you know, yeah. you're not like paranoid about what needs to sound perfect in order to make it sound the most authentic and the most real? Yeah, so, you're just
3: like doing it. Yeah. You're hoping the sound guy out there is like,
1: yeah, making yeah exactly, guy, exactly. It's, it's in the hands of a sound guy, yeah. not so much. But you're not as
3: worried about that. You're yeah. like physically pounding it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's bizarre. It's very bizarre. Um, do you, do you, uh, Mix or engineer or do anything yeah, yeah. like in the studio? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what, yeah. What program do
3: you use? I use Logic a lot. I mean, we always, though, when we mix, we mix now in Pro Tools. I mean, in the old days, there was no Pro Tools, so we mixed yeah. by hand yeah, yeah. with tape and stuff like, yeah. yeah, cool. Like since in the last few years with Pro Tools. But I record a lot in Logic, and Jonathan uh, records a lot in Ableton. What do you guys do?
1: Yeah, we got Logic. Oliver has a lot of outboard gear. Same with Dion. And they have been doing this, of course, like a lot longer than I have. They've been, I think, A Place to Bury Strangers has been around for over 10 years. Yeah. And uh, and Skywave, even before that with Oliver. Dion has been in a ton of bands as well, including the D4. And um, so they are very much... Well versed in the sphere of, of recording their own music. And, um, and I've been doing that just with other people, like kind of just producing in my own way, but. Just also learning as I go, right. yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of what what we're doing now they they learn they know a lot already, and so I'm kind of just picking up on what they know but uh it's fun to play with outboard gear Oh yeah <laughs> really yeah. fun
3: I have a studio at my house in the garage it's converted into studio I have a 16 track tape machine, but then we have computer stuff and Sometimes we record from the tape machine into the computer and back and forth and cool. stuff. So that's and my we have, favorite. We have tons of like outboard gear and stuff yeah. like that. But then there's all these plugins now and it yeah. just gets like, I think using everything, yeah. then it can be too much, I think, too. Yeah. Like you got to stick, I think, like you have to focus and like pick, pick the things you want to use. Yeah. Otherwise, you can go down that, that wormhole or whatever it's called of like. Yeah. <laughs> and get lost in there. Yeah. Because there's so much stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think my favorite approach, (laughs) maybe this is just my own naivety, but like my favorite approach is just to, you know, play around with something I've never played with before. Like listen to see if I like the sound of it or the arrangement, the feel of it, and then just go for it, you know? But it doesn't mean that it turns out to be great all the time. It's just, you know, this is what I hear and this is what I want it to sound like. But,
3: yeah, I studied it in Buffalo in media studies with this guy Tony Conrad who was a musician and he played with Lamont Young and John Cale and the mm. early Velvet Underground but mm. he made films and stuff too but anyway he was always like one thing he taught me is like never read the manual when you, <laughs> when you get a new piece of equipment don't read the manual just go and start like messing around with it then maybe <laughs> read the manual later after you kind of get in there and figure yeah. it out yourself. If then my r-
1: bandmates were here, they would just they would totally disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> they like laugh at me because I'm so against manuals. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like I skimmed through it a little bit, but you know, I'm just going to feel it out.
3: <laughs> I love to kind of you you get familiar with it first. Yeah. On your own level. Yeah. For a while. And then you read the manual later.
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That that's so what makes sense to me. It. Yeah, yeah. It
3: becomes like your little friend and you know you know it like like in a different way than if you Right, right. If right. you read the manual first, you might be yeah. biased towards something. Yeah. And you find yeah. out these personal things about it, like if it's yeah. a drum machine or whatever. Then you right. read the manual later and figure oh that's what I, I kind of figured this out on my own and this and right. this. And Oh, that's how you're supposed to do it. But with the computer programs, there's like 10 different ways to do things anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
3: like, you find out the way that is most natural to
1: you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes
3: yeah. that's like the best for you.
1: And that's the best advice, I think. That's like, yeah. that's a great way, I think, maybe to wrap this up in a way yeah. to say, like, you know, the best way is your own way. So, anyone that's else it. who tries to tell you what, you what you should do, just don't even give a fuck. Nope. Don't have to tell them anything. Don't have to be rude about it. Just, all right, cool. You have your way, I have mine. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I respect that. Thank you so much thank for you. having this yeah. wonderful conversation. Nice with to meet you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> all right. All
0: right. Grasshopper, Leah, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And thank you so much to Desert Days for hosting the Talk House podcast. Listeners, make sure to stay tuned for the final talk that we recorded at the festival featuring Boogerins in conversation with Kikagaku Moyo. And also make sure to check out the one that we dropped recently featuring Steve Albini and Devo's Jerry Casale in conversation.
2: If you like this chat, definitely check out the TalkHouse conversation
0: between Wayne Coyne of Flaming Lips and legendary producer Prince Paul. And if you're a fan of Death by Audio, definitely make sure to check out the fantastic photography book Documenting the Space. That's by Ebru Yildiz. We have some great pictures of Grasshopper and Leah backstage. That's on our socials at TalkHouse across the board. Today's conversation was recorded by Kenan Cush out at Desert Days and Mark Yoshizumi at Hook and Fade here in Brooklyn. Josh, you did a little additional recording out there in Chicago. Yes. Can we please shout out Chicago?
2: Shouts. The TalkHouse theme song was composed and performed by The Range. Till next week,
0: I'm Ellie Einhorn. And I'm Josh Modell. Peace. Bye.